The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Ramin. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We're coming to you from Los Angeles, California at the Rebos Treatment Center. Um, we're so glad that you joined us this week once again. We have another great show with you um, today. We have one of our case managers here at Rebos. Uh, his name is Dan. And Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. How long have you been sober for? Two years right now. Really? Yeah. Two years. Yeah. So what, uh, you know, what we've been kind of doing lately is I'm bringing people that have a variety of sober time on here kind of to tell their story, but you're different. You know, I brought in clients before I brought people um, that don't necessarily work here. You work here. You were also a client here. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yes, yes, I was. I'm glad to be uh, on the side pretty, of the fence. It's pretty amazing to be able to work here and after being a client here. Yeah, I've got a special. We're going to spend this day. whole hour talking about how amazing it is to work here. That's what <laughs> we're going to do. No, I want to. I, I want to really talk about. You've got a great story. You're from a really great place. And um, you've been through it a lot. I remember, and I'm, I, you know, say what you want to say about the whole thing, but I just remember you um, thinking you had it when oh, yeah, you didn't yeah. have it. Oh, yeah. So I kind of want to start there. Um, and I, well, let's start. How about we start at this point? Let's start at where you are. What do you see in clients now? You work with clients on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. And what does your job really entail? Helping them get done whatever they need to do, remove any roadblocks in their sobriety, get resources. Uh, so how do you different though, from a therapist in the sense? It's more logistics of making sure if they need any help getting a job, if they need any help with housing, transportation, education, um, uh, just kind of helping them do what they need to do to have a life. Not, I don't focus with with them on their on their personal issues or even their sobriety, but about what do they need in their life to stay sober and build a sober life. So, yeah, I think a great thing is the logistics. Yes, there is so much that goes on with clients with everybody that it's it's one of the reasons why i started this place it's like this is so not just drugs and alcohol this is like yeah i mean somebody's housing like whether they're have a bad roommate or maybe they need a roommate there could be so many different things going on that 
you know, we help to just kind of facilitate, like, just finding them. They still need hand-holding, don't you think? A hundred percent. I mean, most of these, most of our clients are young, and they've never had a life where they weren't high. They've never had to get an apartment. They've never had to buy a car. They've never had to find a legit job. I mean, some of my clients have never, ever had a job, a straight job. So They don't even know what commitment is. Commitment. Not. Forget about commitment to being <laughs> sober. No. Just commitment to, like, how you show up every day on time for whether it's, like, you know, you're playing Lincoln Logs <laughs> or if you're trying yeah. to stay sober. you got to show up at 9 o'clock. You know, it's just what it is. That's right. Just showing them, like, they have no idea. Uh, uh, some of them, some of them do, of course, but some of them have no idea what it's like to take responsibility for something and do it no matter what. It's almost like we, we get clients that come in here, and this is, I don't mean this is any disrespect to um, to their families, but it's almost like they were raised by wolves. Uh, yep, absolutely. You know, a lot of people had, their families weren't present, they weren't in their family, people came through the system, their parents had no skills, a lot of them. So, you, nobody sat them down and taught them how to find a job, how to show up for a job. How to, you know, the importance of having credit so you can rent an apartment. They've never had consistency in their lives and they don't know how to perform it. Yeah. They have no, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to stay sober every day, but it's, I look at the case management is a, it's, it's arguably the most vital step here because what you deal with on a daily basis is so, um, it's, it's the little things. Absolutely. I mean, it's not the trauma or it's not the sexual abuse or the anxieties. Those are just the, those are the huge things. But like these little things that add up to big things that just set people off. It's like they see, you know, they got to run their credit because they're trying to get a car or trying to get an apartment. And just, I mean, it's not a lot of paperwork to run your credit for like an apartment, but it's a lot of questions. And it's, it's hard to organize, and it gets overwhelming. I mean, I'm 10 years, and I'm not saying this just to sound cute, but it sucks. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, man, i got to dig out all this information, and it's, it's not right. Um, so having somebody that is a – to hold their hand, so to say. I, I have a client right now who we're just sitting down. I'm showing him how to use the computer. You know, because he doesn't had has barely had email set up on his phone. Just has never found it necessary, desirable to have a steady email account. Just to get email, to be able to open attachments, to be able to print them. I mean, whereas some people, that's the level where we meet them. Because if you can't do that, you can't get a job. Or if your housing's in jeopardy, or you feel unsafe there, you're certainly not going to be able to concentrate on your sobriety. So it's taking them and matching them with resources where they can get what they need with the very, very limited resources that they have just so they can clear the headspace to learn how to stay sober. So we're, I'm really on the end of helping them build a life, Yeah, which I was fortunate enough to have before I came here and before, um, and I had a good sobriety before I relapsed and came to treatment. So a lot of this stuff, it was like I already knew it when I came in. I didn't need this kind of hand-holding, and I'm glad I'm in a position to be able to share it with people who really need it because it's the best thing. Yeah, yeah. What do you, you know, this is a, your type of job is something that people will do, uh, well, not people will do, 
you're the you offer the skill set. Your position here is something that whether a person is, I don't know, two days sober or twenty two months sober, you know, in the sense that can always have a have a attachment to whether it's finding new meetings to go to, always looking for maybe a new maybe it's a new therapist because you move back to, you know, you move back to Miami. Houston, New York, Chicago. You're not here in Los Angeles anymore. You need help, like kind of narrow. Like, how, how do I find a therapist here? Yeah. You know, just doing that type of stuff. It's it's the most critical aspect of it. I always your job and the rest of that. We have we have a few case managers here. Um, I think almost four or five of them. That it is it's everything because what clients do here like during their stay here, whether they stay here for a month, two months, three months, and they're doing kind of their outpatient thing, they're living in a sober living, what you do at the end of it is where it's where the bills are made in the sense of for themselves. That's where they really become profitable as human beings spiritually because it keeps the whole thing rolling. Yes. Yeah, if they're not stable when they leave here, if they're not moving toward a life that they can be happy with, why should they stay sober? And, but having your skills of what you do, helping them do that. Yeah, 100%. That I mean, they have to. That's aftercare. Yes, yes. And finding them, you know, it's funny. I Google a lot. I show them, here's how you find a therapist. You get, I'd show them how to find their insurance, get out an insurance card, call the number, Google therapists in a certain area, call them, just show them how do you get started, just the very first step. That Beyond that, they can handle it. It's not like they're not smart. They are smart. Almost all of them are. Uh, what do you think? They're all smart. I, I, Raised by wolves or not? Exactly. They have the brain power. They. It's just been turned toward kind of the wrong efforts in their life up until now. They're teaching them how to apply their their abilities to having a straight life is the trick because they just they've never done it. They've never had to start on it. So. I find they want to get, push them in the right direction so they can take one step, then they're good to go. They know what they need to do. They just don't know the first step. Besides, you know, obviously when you're drinking, you're doing drugs, you got all that, it kind of puts a fog over you where you become kind of lazy and all that. But after a couple weeks, after a couple months, the fog lifts naturally just, just from the simple fact that you're not using where do you think the failure to launch is? Because the fog's gone. You know what I mean? Now there's now it's so it's like you got you got all the shiny tools in your garage, so to say. You know, there's nothing in your way to pull the car out, you know, sort of you know, figuratively in your head. To pull the car out of the garage, you know, there's nothing blocking what's going on, but there's a failure to launch that makes it like you you walk them through this stuff. I mean, I've watched, I've seen files that you, from you to everybody else that does what you do here, it's all kind of laid out. What, what do you think makes somebody successful and not successful? Uh, you know, I think the confidence, just getting the confidence and the willingness to try. You know, it's like, it's scary for anybody to do new things that they haven't tried. And I think a lot of addicts are struggling with self-worth issues and to be able to show them no you can do this all you have to do is take that one step maybe being hand-holding supportive motivational i'll do this with you you're not alone let's sit down here right now and make a list of places where you want to work and then i'll show you how to google them and start calling them and saying hey you hiring i just did that an hour ago with a client who's you know 
a great, great kid just cannot, is not taking the steps that's necessary. So sometimes it's motivational. Yeah. And and also sometimes it's just human companionship. You know, it's like you don't have to do this alone. I know you haven't done this a lot. Here's what we do. Let's do it. I bet a lot of times they don't believe you, though. <laughs> they don't believe it until they see it work. You know, if I have to handhold them to the point of making phone calls with them, I do it. Once they see it work and they get a call, they're elated. They're like, oh, my God, opens up new doors, new windows. They're like, holy shit, this stuff does work. It's not that bad. Yeah. But I didn't believe anything until I saw it work in my own life. So really? The further we can get them down the road before we have to let them go, uh, the better. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, I always, I want to get to your story in a second, you know, and the chance of where you didn't believe it and blah, 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 you know, the whole gig. But what, I honestly feel like our job on a daily basis is we are chasing people around with a kick me sign on their back, <laughs> like taped to their back. And you're like, dude, let me, uh, let me pull that bad boy off you. Cause you keep getting yourself kicked in the ass. You know, it's like, Hey, sweetheart, you know, sir, whatever you want to call yourself, you got a sign in your back. It literally says, kick me with an arrow pointing down. And people are wondering why they have, you know what it is. I mean, that's like, you know, it's, it's the frustration level of just like, you know, be my therapist for a second, Dan. What's up? Well, like, how can we, like, what do you think we could do better? I mean, as an owner of this place, talking to a guy that talks to him, like, how do we talk these kids, these adults? I mean, these adults, too. Yeah. We've got adults with, like, three, four kids, been married for 20 years, and they can't even take the kick. They don't even want the kick me sign. But the funny thing is, is they actually hired us to remove a kick me sign. Oh, yeah. So it's almost like they're comfortable. It's, do you think they're comfortable with the kick me sign or it's just all they know? Uh, and there's a comfort in all they know, even though it's killing them. A hundred. Yes. They're, 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 they're very comfortable with beating themselves up and self-sabotage. I think I, that's one of the best things that I talk to my clients about, because it was one of the most fruitful kind of insights I got in my own sobriety was that when I came in, I thought I was lazy. I was like, you're really, really lazy. You really don't like to You thought you were lazy. Yeah, I thought I was lazy because I didn't like my job. I didn't like my career. I was I was 10 years sober in AA, and I was in a job, a very fruitful career. I made a lot of money, and I had a beautiful home, and I was extremely unhappy, and I wouldn't even let myself see it. And a big part of the unhappiness that I was feeling was this inner critic that was fierce and raging that I completely had hidden from myself. I was in total denial about it, did not see it, thought I was too lazy, needed to be more aggressive, needed to be more whatever. It turned out all I needed to be was a little bit kinder to myself and give myself a chance to figure you out. You weren't lazy. You were, you were not motivated. Yeah, that's 100. I was fighting with myself, so I was swimming upstream constantly doing all this work in the background trying to convince myself that this was the life I I think that's a hell of a point. Yeah. I think that, no, I think it's a hell of a point. And I think it's where a lot of parents, a lot of loved ones, husbands, wives, they call us up, moms and dads, you know, whoever it is, loved ones. And they're like, my kid's lazy. My husband's lazy. My wife is just blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I think you just kind of nailed it on the head. It's, 
Yes, they might be lazy. They're, they're, it's, a, it's a deadly disease. It's laziness, okay? But there also is unmotivated and not in the right spot. If the person's not inspired every day for whatever it is, then what are we doing? And if they've got the self-esteem, self-worth issues behind it, and they have this fierce inner critic that won't let them try something new because they're so afraid they're going to fail... And have another example of how they're unfit to live in this world and incapable. They won't try anything. They won't do anything. I wouldn't do anything. I was paralyzed. Yeah. And I mean, and I had a lot of sobriety and a lot of skills, a lot of resources, a lot of support network. I had everything you could possibly want to stay sober. And I sabotaged it myself because I was too busy beating up on myself to give myself what I really needed. I want to, um, we got to take a quick break right now, but I want to get back and really finding out. You had 10 years of sobriety. Yeah. And now you have two. Yeah. And I want to know the difference between the two. I want to know what happened. Okay. (laughs) So we're going to take a quick break. We're talking with Dan right now, who's um, a case manager here at Rebos, works with all of our clients, almost all of them, a lot of them, helping them get to the next level once they graduate from us. And uh, we're going to get a little bit into you, Dan, next uh, in our next segment, okay? All right. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. 
Now, back to the power to create yourself. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, we're back here with Dan, um, who is one of our case managers here at Rebos. And Dan, we were talking about in the last segment just what you work with um, other clients that come in here. You do a ton of um, – your whole job basically is clients come in here, you're, you're one person in their team – uh, you help them with logistics. I thought that was a great thing. And all the years I've been doing this, I just, you know, people are like, describe case management to me. And I'm like, <laughs> they kind of do everything that's non-therapeutic. Yeah. But yet, yeah, I find it to be the most therapeutic because, I mean, it takes so long for, like, you do all the little things that make their day go. That's right. Jobs, housing, careers. You need college credits transferred from Florida to out here to USC. You can you can help help them yeah. walk them through. You're not going to actually do it, but you'll help them do it. You're yeah. you're there. I remember when I the reason why I came up with a case management is because when I was in treatment, I had all of my mail. I I came with a bag of clothes. But I also came with a bag of mail. Oh, yeah. I literally came with a bag of mail uh, because opening mail was like, holy smokes. Yeah. It was so terrifying. So I literally had a case manager. Well, actually, she wasn't a case manager. She actually was my family therapist. But my family wouldn't, wasn't, was not, um, I wouldn't say didn't want to do family therapy, but they weren't really, it just wasn't a thing. Um, that's another day, another show of why that went down. But so I remember I did college credit stuff with her. I, she like, why don't you bring in the mail? Second month I was there out of my three months, we brought mail in and she put it into piles. We had junk mail, well, four piles. We had magazines, people outdoors, like outside magazine, that whole thing. Then we had junk mail. Then we had kind of like friendly mail. And then we had bills. Yep. And we opened mail. Yep. We opened mail. <laughs> and we found out what was scary. And we found out what wasn't scary. And we read gossip in People Magazine. And she broke it down of just, in my big thing was, is I just needed, I, I just, man, I couldn't open my mail. Yeah. And that sounds so nuts. But when you have so many things that are like, are piled on you, you have, you have nothing. Yeah. People come in here with their life is a mess. I literally just did a transport last night from Chicago to here to LA. This guy is 39 years old and I go to his apartment and it's his mom's house. There's one bedroom and it's his mom's bed. I'm like, where do you sleep? He goes, I don't. And I'm like, that's, he just does drugs all day. He doesn't, I mean, you look, these are the people that we get. Yeah. And People don't realize that this is what we have to do. So your job here, to me, and I'm not just saying it because you're here. Yeah. It's critical. Yeah. It's absolutely critical. It's kind of like the, um, I, I was just ahead of the thought. It's like in loco parentis, you know, in, in lieu of the parents where I can be like the replacement parent for these kids, like just showing them what, how these basic things happen. And at the same time, it's it's also great that I have been an addict myself because I remember being afraid of the mail. We're all afraid of mail. I think even like not addict people are a little bit afraid of mail. <laughs> I, to this day, what I do with mail, I remember when I got married that my wife is like, well, 
you know, we're going to share a bank account and we're going to do this. And, you know, and I'm like, nah, I'm like, I am, I'm in charge of mail. Like <laughs> I literally, the mail comes in. It does not sit on the table. I literally put it in the piles, my wife's pile, my pile ju- in mail in the, in the magazine pile, like kind of junk mail, that type of stuff. Yeah. My four piles, yep. the same thing that she did with me. I pay my bills within 12 hours. Wow. I'm like, I, my credit was so bad when I got into, when I got sober, my credit was 426. Yeah. 426. And it was because I didn't open my mail. And so all my credit went to hell. And it's why my power went out. So I have a total phobia. I remember I gave the power guy. I was living up in Lake Tahoe. <laughs> And I had this girl who was just kind of squatting at my house. She wasn't even a girlfriend. We just smoked crack together. But she also baked. And I remember one day, the guy knocked on the door for the power. And she had just baked some cookies. And he goes, I got to turn your power off today. And I, a true story. God is my witness. She took a whole plate of cookies out to him. She goes, give us a week, honey. Can you please just give us a week? He goes, I'll give you four days. It was four days longer than I thought. I thought it would, I thought it would give us four hours. Um, it's just a mess. So what you do is critical. What you have ten years? You had ten years of sobriety. What is your drug of choice, by the way? Uh, as, well, it's funny. I, at that point, when I got sober, when I was thirty-two, I'm forty-six now. I got sober the first time when I was thirty-two from alcohol alone. Like, I had done meth in college, liked to study, and got a little carried away with it, but I had stopped that on my own when I was in college. Graduated, kept drinking, and then by the time I was 32, I knew it was time. Like, I couldn't stop on my own. Mm. So I went to AA and sobered up just from alcohol. And, and I had never had any temptation to do crystal meth again until 10 years later. My life's gone a certain way. I'm still not dealing with certain things. I haven't got the spiritual growth that they told me in AA. My sponsor said many times, you're not growing your spiritual program. That's what you need to do. And I just didn't do it. And, you know, the result of that was that I, I relapsed and um, got that in in my second time around but interestingly after i relapsed i drank for a month and then i started doing crystal meth i remember i was in new york and like uh uh yeah it was just like i i realized i want to drink i want to be i want to check out but i don't like being drunk anymore so i said oh let's get some stimulants you know let's get some cocaine let's get some crystal meth let's get some ecstasy and uh yeah i went down that road so my relapse was basically on meth and recovered from meth wow yeah so it transferred pretty pretty crazily i never ever would have guessed at 10 years sober that one i'd relapse two i would relapse with meth balanced with alcohol so it was pretty messy by the time i got back here wow yeah yeah it took a while three times I came here twice, three inpatient centers and what do you think three you outpatient back? Like it took you, you have 10 years. Yeah. How is, what? I, I, have, a, I have a couple of questions because 10 years, I'm coming on 10 years. Yeah. I get 10 years next month and I'm, it, I'm so pumped up. <laughs> I'm yeah. so freaking pumped up. I have a yeah. decade. I will knock on wood. I've, I will have a decade, but it's scary because it's like. I I have had so many things and it was this was so relevant to me when I first got sober but there are so many things that talk to me right now mm-hmm. that didn't talk to me last year when I was coming down 9. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm transporting a client, and I've got a thing in my head that's telling me, well, you know, you have a couple of these pills in here to help him with his opiate withdrawal as we're flying across the country. You could probably have one. Nobody would know. Um, that what that thought literally went through my head. I'm like, where the hell did that come from? It's not that I want to do it. Yeah. I literally smelled crack cocaine for the first time in years yesterday. And I was just like, it was a hit across the face. Wow. It was like, what is going on here? And your head just rolls with it. Like you actually smelled it or you just smelled it in your brain? No, I actually smelled it. Oh. You, smoke, you smoke it in the room next oh. to me. Because this guy was in the bathroom. He wouldn't come out of the bathroom. <laughs> and the reason why he's not in the bathroom is because he's smoking heroin and he's smoking crack cocaine. He's to smoke a little heroin, yeah. wait a couple of minutes, he smokes a cigarette, and then he smokes the crack. Isn't so that the wonderful thing about our brain? It can, on a dime, say, ooh, that smells good. If you asked him for some, I'll bet you he'd give you some. Well, it's just like food. My mom has been dead a year and a half. Mm -hmm. It has been almost five years since she made me ribs. Oh, yeah. I know what my mother's ribs taste like after five years. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's just you know what these things like. I have not had a Twinkie in 20 years. I know what a Twinkie tastes like. Like, yeah, I could yeah, describe so. it to you right now. I know what that experience is like. Old girlfriends, I know what that experience is like. I, You know, we know these things. We don't remember, though, the time when I, I mean, I remember, like, throwing up. Like, when you start throwing up so much, it's like that weird bile stuff that comes out of you. you yeah. Yeah. I remember doing that, but I don't remember what it tastes like. Oh, I do. I don't remember like me, like I, I can picture me crying and I can picture me sad, but I don't remember what it was like. Like, it's weird. I, you know what? I find this is super. I mean, I'm a believer that every single thing that happens to you in your life, either internal or external, is included in your path to awakening. And I can honestly say that I do not regret my relapse. I'm so much closer to that stuff now. And I had forgotten. And it does help me give treatment to these kids and have compassion in another way. Because I do remember I've got a very fresh visual of myself struggling with my own head in bed in the morning when I've been awake all night. And I have to, I have to sit down and go to work. Let Scary. Ask, let me ask you this. What... What do you, when you, when we talk with people, we can smell a relapse about to happen. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not far enough along in my career. Um, but I, I still am able to be surprised sometimes. Like I, my sense of that is not infallible. That's for sure. Got it. No, yeah. that's fair. I can yeah. smell it. I yeah. feel like I could smell it. You had a couple up of bad decisions. You could see something kind of going a little fishy. Like self-will. You see that self-will start well, I, to... To kick it back to you, you have 10 years. Yeah. What did you do in the last X amount of weeks or X amount of months at the end of that 10 years that made you relapse? And are you using or have you looked at that type of view Yeah. to help you now so that you go on to three more three years? hugely yes because basically knowing what because this 10 years 
you did a lot of great stuff during that time, I bet. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. And I maybe even if people. you hated it, there's I a lot of good info in there of what not to do. Yeah, 100%. The, I drifted, let's see. Well, from an AA perspective, I definitely drifted from the program. I moved. Um, I wasn't going to my old meetings anymore. I did stay in touch with my sponsor. I had no sponsees because I was kind of tired of that, but I had sponsored a lot of people. But I persisted in a career that I hated, and I managed to hide it from myself that I hated it. And it got so stressful, this internal friction with myself. But how you, you mean lying to yourself? I was lying to myself. I was in complete denial that I, I knew I didn't like it, but I was in denial about how bad it had gotten for me. And I was addicted to the money. And uh, um, so I drifted. But then I just I just kind of lost my way and ended up in a life that I didn't feel like was worth staying sober for. So when push came to shove, I had a breakup. I lost some money and I was miserable in my job. And I was like, well, what the fuck? I don't care anymore. I'm going to uh, I'm going to have a cocktail. I really don't see why I'm fighting this battle anymore, because what have I gotten out of it? Not a lot. You had a case of the fuckets. Yeah, I totally had a case of the fuckets, hugely. It's a very serious disease. <laughs> it's clinical. These these, these, cl- these clinical fuckets are just very deadly. Yeah. Um, they, they get in the way of everything. Um it's very, very serious. Uh, <laughs> it, it was big, but I had, but I, I was unable to think my way into a better life for myself that I could stay sober for, and I also needed a spiritual program. It was a spiritual crisis. It's a spiritual, it's a spiritual solution to anything in this world. Yeah, and it wasn't really working. That I was the whole time I was staying sober for that ten years. I, I got a spiritual life, and I maintained a spiritual life, but kind of a small one, and I never grew it. And, you know, they say you, you, you grow or you go. I didn't grow. It's just like business. You can't just stay the same old because yeah. if you're around for 20 years, what worked for you 20 years ago, yeah. is it going to make you a profitable business 20 years later? Totally. Yeah, but I was hanging tough. I did not like making changes. I didn't like making decisions. I didn't have that underlying feeling of wellness that you get from having a strong spiritual connection, an elastic spiritual connection. I stopped learning. I stopped learning about about how to be a human being, and it just it took me down. Oh, also, I had anxiety. I had really, really bad anxiety, and I should have dealt with it. I always had it. When I was a kid, I had it. My stomach was tied in knots when I was a kid. That's why I drank. And I never really dealt with that in sobriety. I went to therapy for a while, but it wasn't. And it got worse and worse and worse. It was the, anxiety was the mechanism that took me down. Yeah. Because I first relapsed on Xanax. Then I started drinking. I want to know what... We got to take a break. But I want to know what, what... What do you think you're... Why you did what you did was. I want to know why you started... Um, why, you know, what, what, you know, we always say this, it's not just because you like the taste of it. I mean, yeah, it, sometimes you like the taste of wine or booze or whatever, oh, yeah. but there's, there's an underlying fuel. Oh, sh- and Dang. I want to, so let me, we got to take a quick break. Yep. And then I want to know what that is for you, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Uh, and I want to see if we, I want people to know this. It, people don't have a drinking problem. People just don't have a drug problem. Yes. They, there's something underneath them that's like a boogeyman that makes them scared. Yeah. You know, a kid, it's just something in there. So everyone, thanks for joining us. We'll be right back after this quick break. Thanks so much. 
opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. You. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us again. Um, if you want more information about Rebos and where we're at, you can go to Rebos, R-E-B-O-S, treatment.com. That's sober spelled backwards. That's what Rebos means. And um, we're happy to answer your calls or whatever we can do for you. Um, you can go to our website at rebostreatment.com. We have a ton of, I'm really proud about our website. We have a ton of blogs and ebooks on you name it, the variety of subjects that roll around addiction from where you live, college students to families to moms to dads, the kids, uh, opiates, speeds, alcohol, you name it. Um, there is so much information on it. I'm in every week, every month, it just the library is growing. We have some sensational researchers and writers that are when when we came up with our website, we were just like, what do we want besides pictures? We just want we wanted a we wanted an encyclopedia of just information that wasn't just like like kind of just BS like web content, like real stuff. Um, and so I think we do that. I think we do it very well. Um, anyways, we're back here with Dan, who's one of our amazing case managers that we have here at Rebos. Um, every week, clients meet with their case manager at least once a week um, to figure out what's going on in their life. 
um, sometimes up to three to four times a week, depending on where they're at and what's kind of going on in their um, in their sobriety in their treatment. Um, and Dan, your story, the reason why I love having case managers is people that have been through such life-changing events like yourself is, you know what it's like. You know, you can relate to the client, not just from what they say, but what they, you can kind of see it in their eye sometimes. Yeah. You Maybe you've been down the same thing of trying to find a new job and just the scariness of that whole thing. Oh, yeah. It, it's, a, it, it's a different thing. So I want to talk about with you um, in your own having your success that you have now. Yeah. Um, and the way that I see you walk around here, you have t- I didn't know you when you had 10 years of sobriety, mm. but the way you kind of talk about it in a sense, it's almost like this two years is, is a lot more powerful than what the 10 was. <laughs> yeah, that's a, g- a good call. I mean, I tell people. 10's almost adding up to more than 10. The, the two is adding up to more than what the 10 was in some ways. Yeah, I tell people that this, this kind of spiritual, a second or third spiritual awakening that I've had has been so. I feel better now with two years than I did at 10 years sober. And that felt pretty good. I mean, I got to speak at some 10-year speaker meetings, like I had a big birthday party. I felt pretty friggin' good, but beyond that, it's yeah, it, it, it that was exciting, and I finally felt like I knew what I was talking about in AA, only then to relapse and have to find another way. Yeah. And it hasn't really been AA so much this time, and that was one of the things that attracted me to this place was there was no judgment around meds. There's therapy and other solutions to various types of mood disorders and mental illness. And I mean, I was stressed out when I was 12 years old. I had I, uh, an anxiety problem. I mean, I, I don't know how many 10-year-olds have their stomach, you know, in knots so that they're doubled over in pain at 10 years old. And I had no trauma. What I do mean, you think the anxiety was from? I think a lot of it was genetic. Uh, I think I probably always had high blood pressure. There's severe high blood pressure in my family. Part of it was being gay, being in a small, weird little town in Alaska where I'm from. Um, That was big. That actually rose to the level of trauma by the time I was in junior high. So, What, being gay in such a small area or just gay in general? especially in a small town like that. Like, I don't think it was easy to be gay in L.A. and come out in high school, even in the in the 80s when I was in high school. I don't think it was easy here either, but it certainly was less acceptable in my little town in Alaska. So yeah. that was rough. I mean, there were years where I had a ton of pain. The pain... Was it a secret? Did you know? It was a secret. Oh, yeah. No, it was a secret. I didn't really know. I knew for sure when I was 16. And then I knew that I couldn't tell anybody either. So I started college by living, you know, an hourly straight life. And I ended up coming out in the middle of college, which was really difficult then, you know, when I was like 21. But uh, back then it was really painful. And drinking allowed me to kind of transcend that pain and be the social person that I am. Um, Drinking saved my life. I mean, it, it solved all of my problems for a long, long time. It cured that anxiety perfectly. I mean, until the next morning. <laughs> I don't like. Don't take this the wrong way. I don't know how to say it, but what you just said was interesting to me. You know, you come to terms that you're gay. You got to keep it quiet. Yes. You know, for whatever reason that is yes. inside your society, whatever the reasons are. Yeah. 
but then you drank and you said that it almost saved your life. Yeah. Did it take, did it, do you, and I don't want any, I definitely don't want anybody to think that this is a good idea, but I just, <laughs> but it's almost like it was a bridge. Yes. Yes. For you to get to happiness. Yes. It bought you some time because if you have that much anxiety and that much pain, you might have done something really, really bad. That's right. I, yeah, yes, you, I, I mean, what if I can't they imagine, kids killed themselves? Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, my yep. heart goes out to you. Yeah, my heart goes out to the, goes out to the teenage you. Yes, a hundred percent. I needed it. I really needed it at that point. And but I really they, you, like they say in the program, alcohol cures alcohol. Alcohol treats alcoholism. Once that treatment kind of runs its course, the wheels fall off. It has these horrible side effects like wrecking your life. You still have to find a treatment for the ism behind why you drink. And you I, know, and I drank over that. At least at first. The, I drank the over of pressure, my social That must have felt like the weight of the world coming down on your head. It was horrible. But, I mean, it worked so well for me that I eventually I was, like, the senior class president. I was on the prom court. I went to prom five times. I had a beautiful girlfriend. I mean, everything just started working amazingly once the alcohol kind of pushed down that anxiety. But then, you know, 15 years later, I get sober, and that anxiety is right back up where it was and screaming at me. And but the alcohol got you sober. So it was the bridge which got you to a place that you could handle life yes. on life's terms. Yes. Because I think yes. me being a crackhead and a drug addict yep. was the best damn thing that ever happened to me. Yes. Because yep. it was a bridge. Yeah. And my, my whole bridge to where I'm at right now. Yep. I have everything in my life because of this stupid drug. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and you have a life-saving mission. I mean, what better role can you play in life than to help so people important. come up with this? Yeah, absolutely. But it's like I tell people all the time, it's like my kid is a fucker. I can't believe he screwed up. He's totally failed. She's a blah, 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 blah. She's a slut. She's I, The stuff that parents say about their kids, the stuff that husbands and wives say about their spouses, it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Is this going to even last? And I They're tell treating them, their pain. The kids, all addicts, I think, are treating an underlying pain. It's in, They don't know how to drive themselves. No. You had no idea how to drive yourself. You were a Ferrari driving yourself like a Bronco. <laughs> Bottoming out. Your wheels are falling off. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Uh, that's yeah. what it was. Of course you didn't know what to do. I Same way. Yeah. I was out of my mind. I have such bad social anxiety. Yeah. Such bad. I still to this day do. Yeah. We have like 4th of July. We go back to Wisconsin. I'm like, oh my God. I want to take my lower lip and I want to pull it over my forehead and I want to swallow. <coughs> I am so just like way too many people on my grill. It's just going way too much. That's right. I think that it's, it's, I don't like being seen. The fact that I'm visible in this world is a big problem for me. Like, what are you going to do about that? There aren't really any great... You know, meds or therapy for that. But drinking worked perfectly. All of a sudden, I'm the best-looking, most gregarious person in the world. I mean, it was fun. Slow down a little bit there. <laughs> but I, no, but it's weird. It's like I do not like to be – like when I've got all these people like within arm's reach of me, I get really overwhelmed. Yeah. If I, Because I do a lot of talks. I don't get nervous about that because they're like at a distance. Yeah. They can't like reach out. That it's a different thing for me when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just get really, really, really overwhelmed. Um, so that was 
so you believe your underlying issue was the fact that you were you you were you were gay. You yeah. were living. A, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but almost living a lie. You had to. Yeah, yeah, but it is like living in denial, living a double life. It, so what happened? What was the underlying issue of the relapse when you had ten years? Was it because you still haven't come to terms with that? My guess is no. Uh, there were still, there I mean, your spirituality wasn't going right, but spirituality wasn't going right. Career wasn't going right, which was gay related. Um, romantic life wasn't going great. I'd had a breakup. That's also kind of gay related, but there was something even before the gay part. I had the, I had the underlying anxiety that I think, which I was like born with that came out when I was a kid before I even had the possibility of thinking I was gay. So that that kind of caught up with me. And the solution for that has been a, a booming spiritual life. That's the only thing that gives us that, <sighs> you know, and I just, I didn't get it the first time around. And eventually I was able to white knuckle it for a long time, sometimes more easily than others. But eventually you got to have you got to have the spiritual life to treat that. What's behind the thing that's behind the thing that's behind the thing. Yeah. That's what the spiritual life gets to. And it doesn't have to be Jesus. It doesn't have to be a higher power. It doesn't have to be AA. You know, the 100 Roads to Treatment was the message that brought me to Rebos in the first place from Erica Spiegelman, um, who's one of my favorite treatment providers. Um, Erica was a 10. Yeah, she was. If you guys have, you should go and look up Erica Spiegelman. Um, Rewired is her book. It's sensational. Um, But, you know, it's so much. Every single day, there's, you know, there's the there's the underlying issues that got us like here in the beginning. But then there's all of these problems that pop up. Not I don't know problems. I'm, I'm maybe wrong adjective, but. Issues, little things yeah. that can turn into a big thing. Little- it's, the, it's the whole structure we build around this initial wound, you know, whatever it is, if you have trauma in your background or if you were gay or just if you're a nervous person, you build up this whole structure to protect yourself from the world. You grow up, you take away the initial problem, but you still have the structure to deal with. Yeah. And I had to dismantle it at yet another level, like peeling the onion. More of it had to come away. I just stopped peeling at some point and it didn't work out so well <laughs> i think a lot of you know my own thing that i go through now that i'm i'm going through the steps um again coming on 10 years and i'm doing it and it's amazing what you know the spiritual aspect of what you talk about is the guy that i'm doing it with herb he's like spirituality is you know it's very aligned to what i think it is i think spirituality is just you finding your personal rhythm in this world yeah just knowing how to drive yourself and then so that's what that is but then has how herb says it is you have to pe- keep putting gas into that tank and keep changing because it's like it's like one of those dimmer switches on the wall those circular little dimmer switches and you slowly twist it and the, and the lights get brighter but what happens is is that switch is on it is has a little spring activated uh, yeah. so if you don't keep pressing on it yeah it'll slowly just dimmed out yeah and I've noticed that in the last 10 years for myself that obviously happened to you. You've got to keep pressure on that thing yep. and keep filling it up. It's just, I I look at sobriety. I work with a lot of guys that are big business guys, and I make sobriety just like a business because they can kind of compute it better. You cannot keep the same business model that you had when you started your business. It's got to change every year, a little adaption. 
you know, prices are going to go up on one end of your thing. Prices will go. You got to constantly make it so your business is financially healthy. Clients come into here. Patients come into our place, any other place, and they're spiritually bankrupt. Yeah. And our job, your job, is to make them spiritually profitable for the long haul and know yeah. that, hey, it's not scary. You know, as you as a case manager, it's not scary trying to run your credit. It's not scary to transfer or to open your mail. It's not scary to whatever it is to look for an apartment. Make it kind of fun. It's a new place to live. And you're going to be okay no matter what happens. You're going to be okay. I think sometimes that's the best thing I tell them. You're all right. You know, that boogeyman in your head is literally a figment of your imagination. Yes. Yep. Just craziness. We tell ourselves some nutty, nutty, nutty things in order to, like, just to really screw ourselves up. It's, we have an imagination as human beings that when we were little, we pictured the boogeyman in our closet. But until we turn the light on and realize it's just a big pile of clothes, it's the same thing here. We have a thing that talks ourselves out of stuff so fast. We had to keep turning that light on every night. You know, it comes back. Some little little bit of fear. Just Keeps leave the damn somewhere. light on. Yes. <laughs> Just leave the damn light on. <laughs> yes. Seriously. So, Dan, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Um, I really appreciate it. And to hear what you do and just another one of the amazing services that we give here for clients so that they can have long-term success. Um, your success in general is, is brilliance. It's what it needs to be. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. I feel so much better. I'm grateful to be able to uh, have an opportunity to give it back and make this my work. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us. Everybody, thanks for being with us this week. We'll see you again next week, next Tuesday. Um, Be well to yourself. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.